new to the city. You don't remember coming here. You're disoriented, off balance. It's neither day nor night. People begin to approach you. A faceless crowd whispering the tales from the canyons of the damned. Hello, I'm Will Swartzstrom. I am a Canyons author. I've submitted five stories to the Canyon series, uh, curated by Daniel Arthur Smith. Uh, stories including Natural Born Alien, Blower, uh, and Repulse in the latest uh, Space Omnibus. Uh, have another story coming out, I believe, in the January issue uh, coming out soon. Um, so I wanted to talk about one story that caught my attention recently, and that was Hazard to Navigation by John Freighter, which appeared in the Canyons issue number 17. Um, this story caught my attention. It was It's a great little short story, and it reminded me of, of two other classics of the sci-fi genre, uh, namely the story Nightfall by Isaac Asimov. Uh, I loved the story Nightfall when I was growing up. I read it as a short story. Later on, uh, Asimov actually turned it into a full-blown novel as well, uh, this kind of exploration of uh, what happens when the night sky is different than what people expect it to be uh, on this alien planet. Um, they have multiple suns, and when all the suns go down, it only happens every couple hundred years. What happens? What is the, the ramifications of that? Um, and then um, also uh, there's a, a little bit of a viewpoint of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams where, uh, spoiler alert, at the, end, uh, at the beginning of the book, uh, aliens are making an intergalactic highway and Earth is in the way. So uh, a little bit of both of those stories in here. Short little story um, uh, by John Frader again, Hazard to Navigation. Take a good look, my dear. We won't get another chance. It was almost like a camping trip. They left their house an hour ago and driven to the spot off a country road just to watch the big event. No trees, no lights, just the two of them. Emma pulled the blankets closer around her to ward off the January chill. The hood of Sam's pickup did not make the most comfortable way to watch the night sky, but they'd been blessed with clear weather. Almost no clouds, and luckily no wind either. Just the full moon beaming its face down at them. How much longer, she moaned. My fingers are turning blue. He checked his watch. Should be soon. Midnight, assuming they mark time the way we do. Midnight is what the observatory geeks told us. I assume they'd know. It is their job. Right. He opened the thermos, poured a few ounces of hot coffee into a plastic cup, offered it to her, then poured another for himself. Think they'll still have jobs after tonight? She snorted. Why not? The stars will still be there, and we know a lot more about them now. I guess. Sam gulped his coffee, wincing at the heat, and then settled against the truck's windshield. What if there were no moon, he asked. What then? Emma drew her legs up, sitting cross-legged. Well, no tides for one thing, darker night skies for another. How about earthquakes? Will we still get those? Sure, but the moon doesn't really influence earthquakes. She paused to think. Now, if it suddenly vanished, then you'd get earthquakes. Big, big ones. Tidal waves, too. Well, what do the werewolves do? She punched him in the arm. No moon, no werewolves. Duh. He peered through the binoculars he'd hastily packed as they left the house. Sharp lines cut across the lunar face, barely visible once he focused. Can't see the crater. Check the north quadrant, just above the crater Pluto. Plato. Sam followed her instructions. Nothing. We need a proper telescope for it. 
The breeze picked up. She snuggled closer to him as he let the lenses fall against his chest and put his arm around her, bringing her in. It'd be weird not seeing the moon. It would. There's nothing in the solar system quite like it. We're not even sure where the damn thing came from. I'd like to think we wouldn't miss it. But we would, Sam nodded. You miss anything that suddenly isn't there. Hell, people freak all over when their cell phones run out of juice. Forget PCs, laptops. Oh my God, when the electricity or plumbing quits. She sighed. Yeah, there'd be panic. We'd go crazy for a while, but we'd get used to it. We'd get used to anything. War, disease, famines, crushing poverty. He checked his watch again. Five minutes. I'm really burned that we can't see the crater from here. Come on. Even if he could, the wreck is long gone. We had to return it. They were very specific about that. Think we should listen on the radio? president should be on by now. Eh, you can listen if you want. I don't care. Sam rolled off the hood and turned the key. The engine rumbled to life. He figured Emma would appreciate the warm hood. He turned the radio on and found the station. POTUS was indeed on the air. The moon. It's a hazard. It really is. The biggest, biggest hazard to life we've ever seen. You know the dinosaurs? An asteroid got them. A big one. But as big as that was, the moon is a billion times bigger. That's billion with a B. I've made a deal with our nearest neighbors to do something about it because I'm a deal maker. It's what I do. And when the Varani scout ship crashed, we were shocked and terrified. But then their diplomats contacted us and said, Hey, America, your moon is a hazard to space navigation. I said, fine. Let's do something about it, and they will, because I made a deal with them. Very nice people, the Verani. Sam turned the knob, killing the voice. I think we've heard enough of that. Emma pointed upwards. There, she squealed. It's starting. They couldn't see the Verani ships despite their size. A glint of reflected steel light, sunlight was all Sam found through the binoculars. But when the beams they projected were brighter than the sun, lancing out from lunar orbit, searing the surface of the massive satellite to glass, then pulverizing the surface. As they watched, the surface of the moon faded, blurred to a silver-gray cloud. Emma frowned. We might get a ring out of this. Depends on how much material is left when they're done. Well, a ring would be cool, right? She snorted. It'd be different, but I don't think it would capture the imagination of future generations. They stayed and watched. The cloud grew in size, fuzzing at the edges like a fantastic fairy ring. But the fairies were working in ships a mile long and from a distant solar system. And despite the president's broadcast words, there was no deal to be made. The Verani had lost a ship and demanded corrective action. The big man who ran the world took no time to recognize the visitors could evaporate the surface of the Earth as easily as they were now doing to its only satellite. A shot rang out. Then, two. Down the road, headlights appeared in a column. Emma rolled off the truck's hood and joined Sam in the cab. We should go back, she said. He nodded. Started the engine. Yeah, people are going to go crazy. And that's John Frader's story, Hazard to Navigation, once again found in Tales from the Canyons of the Dam, number 17. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the story as much as I did.